0: Session is about to begin. Please, no recording devices.
1: This is Hypercritical, a weekly talk show ruminating on exactly what is wrong in the world of Apple and related technologies and businesses. Nothing is so perfect that it cannot be complained about. By my co host, John Syracusa, I am Dan Benjamin. Today is June 15th, 2012. It's episode number 72. It's Friday. John is at WWDC and we have two sponsors, freshbooks.com and hover.com. We'll tell you more about those as the show continues. You sound different. I got to change the EQ. You sound great.
0: You know, I'm on this crazy setup here. I don't I didn't really know, you know, the inputs weren't set up right, but there's a lot of dials and lights that I don't understand and <laughs> isn't a <laughs>
1: isn't a mixer or something?
0: Yeah, there's a big yeah. There's a big thing with those what do you call it? Uh what are those cables called? You X- know what
1: XLR cables? Yeah, there you go. Okay.
0: Bunch of those poking out of it and lights and yeah. But you can hear me. That's all we need. Yeah, you sound great. All right.
1: Super good. So I've got no notes today. First time for everything. I don't think so because I
0: was thinking back as I was trying to prepare stuff. I'm like, you know what? last year at wwdc i don't think i had any notes either and that seemed to go okay i do i did all right so i put in show notes links but i didn't like write out a big thing
1: so now just so that people understand what's going on you are at wwdc you're in san francisco you're safely ensconced in somewhere in macworld and the uh, the jason snell podcast recording studio is that his, right
0: yes i'm in his pod cave right now his temporary pod cave because they're renovating their offices so everything is all moved
1: around so you were in there, and you are recording. Is Jason there? He is not. Oh. we will see him later today. Well, he's just allowing you to use his setup and everything. And that's why if people would notice that you sound a little different, indeed, it is, as you said, you're surrounded by different technology. And also I'm hoarse because I stay out too late. Does staying out <laughs> late cause you to be hoarse? Yes. You know how that works? Because
0: they always just everyone wants to go to like noisy places with loud music, and then we all have to yell to hear each other. And that's why you're hoarse by the end of the night.
1: But if you went somewhere that was loud during the day, and anyway, so how is WWDC going?
0: Well, it's over now, but it was it was good. It was tiring, exhausting. I kind of knew what to expect this year. You know, last year was my first. This year, I'm um, I'm an old pro now. It's like yeah, yeah. I know, I know, I know how it's going to go on. And, <laughs> and this year, yeah, this year I decided uh, to limit my staying out late. To just dedicated to one night. So last night was my one late night, and all the other nights. I tried to get a decent amount of sleep because I was there for the first session every day, every morning for all five days, which is not true of some of the people who stayed out late every night. Right. Yeah. So I figured what we'll do since we have limited time now is go just, I mean, I intentionally didn't listen to Build and Analyze because I'm sure I'm going to talk about all the same things that Marco talked about. Uh, But that's, then's the breaks. Not everyone listens to both shows. You actually
1: sound a little bit better than him as far as like your voice. He was pretty, he was pretty hoarse, I think, at that time. You sound, you sound fine. He stayed out more than I did. <laughs> I, I was the old
0: man going home at you know 10 p.m. so I could get my beauty rest. So I could wake up bright and early and learn about Apple's new frameworks. <laughs> yeah, so I figure. We'll so you've go- got
1: a lot of writing to do before July. That's the date they announced that that Mountain Lion is coming out, and they didn't say when in July. Apple's track record: the very, very last, maybe Thursday of the month that they say they'll come out with something probably it might even be a Friday, but probably that that's when you have until, but you like to have it done way in advance of that. So it can just sit there and get edited and be ready to go. So you must feel like you're under the gun. I am.
0: I i mean, the
1: worst thing they could have
0: done is said, you know, Oh, it's an available today. Like that's the worst case scenario. I don't know what it would have done. then. I basically, there wouldn't have been a review available. You know, it's just not physically possible. Right. Uh, but what I expected them to do and what they actually did was just put up a, you know, just say the word July, which is terrible. It's exactly what they did last year. Uh, because what does that mean? I have to assume it means July first right because that 's the first time you know it 's July, but it probably doesn 't mean July first, so I have to like rush to get as much done as I possibly can as soon as possible uh, and you 're right there is le- lead time for editing and all that other stuff, but yeah so i'm i 'm under the gun here, especially since when I come back from this. I've got a week, you know, a week of work, right? So it's not like I have a week to work on this. People think, oh, you've got a week to get it done. No, I have between the hours of like 8.30 p.m. and until I fall over from exhaustion after a full day of work to do these things. Uh, So that's how much time I have. You can add up the number of hours I have to do that. And then the week after that, I'm going away on vacation again uh, to visit my in-laws. And I don't know how much work I'm going to be able to get
1: done there. Poorly, everything everything you're telling me, just poor timing on Apple's part. Can't you get them to push it back a couple months?
0: Yeah, now, August 31st is all I'm asking for. It's not too much to ask. <laughs> like, really, everyone's excited about iOS 6 anyways. If they had said August 31st, it would not have been groans. Nobody cares. Only The only person who cares about the, the Mountain Lion release date is me. <laughs> you know? It, and maybe the engineer's working on it. But customers? Like, do you feel like people are clamoring for Mountain Lion? Like, I don't even know if pe- people are talking about it besides on this show. Well,
1: it's going to be 20 bucks, which is a very affordable. And I think Apple is trying to get the operating system updates to just be one of those things that people just do. They just do them. They're cheap. You don't even have to go anywhere and buy anything anymore. You don't even have to go to Amazon to buy it. You just, oh, there's an update. Install it. Yeah, everything seems a little bit faster, a little bit better, a couple neat new features. And I think that's the, exactly the way that Apple wants it. They want to do these kinds of incremental updates where they're not reinventing every single thing with oh what's the new os gonna have it's like yeah it's gonna be like what you had it's gonna have some new features you're gonna like it eh, it's only 20 bucks you'll install it yeah they should rename them firmware updates the
0: iphone oh i've got the latest firmware update a oh, really old oh, firmware update is 600 megabytes oh hmm. some firmware right i mean they've switched over to os but yeah the the new release schedule frightens me in in many ways first of all because it means that i have to do this every single year with this to kind of tight scheduling and like eventually it's going to go wrong i mean maybe this is the year it goes wrong uh where i just don't get it done in time especially since everything is so mysterious like they didn't even announce the WWDC date for such a long time like it's impossible to plan for it's it's anti-planning right so you just have to kind of schedule everything like the tickets to, to go to my in-laws they were purchased a while ago and you know it's like you can't You can't put your life on hold waiting for when Apple's going to announce dates for things. You don't even know if you're going to get tickets for WWDC. So that's kind of a mess. Uh, But I'll I'll do what I can. And then, yeah, with the the yearly releases, necessarily, like this is is what bothers me too, is like they're not doing as much. They can't do as much in a year as they could do in two years. And that means there's less to write about. And that means the review is going to be shorter, not longer. And then that means, you know, the series of... oh, the reviews used to be better when they were longer and this is just more casual and it's not that, you know. Blah, blah, blah. But doesn't I mean, that, that mean it'll take
1: year. you less less time to actually write the thing? I, I hope so. I mean, yeah. that's,
0: that's a hope that I'll be able to get in and out soon. Like when I came into WWDC, I was like, all right, so let's see. They might, they might have something big and unexpected that will add like major new sections to my review that I don't even have any like a heading for in my outline, right? Uh, because they announced something totally crazy for, for Mac OS ten. Uh, but they didn't. Everything they announced, uh, a lot of the times, you know, I am I was in the keynote. And so you can hear like the crowd reaction to stuff they were showing for Mountain Lion. And the vast majority of stuff they showed in the keynote for Mountain Lion was already in the builds. But the crowd was like, ooh, ah, you know why they're ooh, ah? Because none of them have downloaded the Mountain Lion builds because they're all iOS developers. And why would they ever, they're probably not even members of the Mac developer program. Like no one cares, right? So In previous years, everyone was like, yeah, yeah, I knew about that. Yeah, I knew about it because, you know, it's old hat because they've had four developer builds of of Mountain Lion uh, with a bunch of little updates in between. And if you're a Mac developer, this stuff wasn't new to you. If you're, you know, maybe I'm the only one downloading and looking at this stuff. Uh, So that shows me that, I don't know, the the continuing uh, decreased intention on the Mac. Maybe that helps me because then the stuff I'll write about will seem interesting and novel because no one's paying attention anymore, but... There's just not, there was nothing like gigantic to, to write about. The only major new features they had for, uh, for Mac OS 10 were uh, Dictation. That was a new one. It wasn't in any of the builds. Uh, and what else did they have that was new? Uh, even Facebook, even in Word generation.
1: was their was there little thing to go along with. It works everywhere, even in Word.
0: Yeah. Have you...
1: I, Do you think well, you'll be... Have was, you tried I gonna, this? I was going
0: to ask you if you'd tried it, and I was going <laughs> to describe the experience of using it, but I think that's like they demoed it in the, in the keynote, right?
1: Yeah, they demoed it. Be, uh, they had... Uh, who was demoing it? But I think they were sending a tweet.
0: Oh, yeah. No, was it Federighi?
1: Yeah. Right, I yeah. think so. And they were sending a, uh, a... They used it to send a tweet. So yeah, that it, somewhat, was, it was demoed. Yeah.
0: So yeah. people were saying that they thought it was faked because what he said didn't seem like what appeared on the screen. Because
1: right, he having, said, uh, or something like that. Yeah. And it did not... It didn't type the uh in.
0: Yeah. So having having <laughs> tested it myself... Uh, I, I frequently spoke things and then what came out was something that could have been plausibly what I said. Like I think once it put upon instead of on, and I know I didn't say a pawn, but it's still read fine in the sentence. So I think there's like natural language smarts on the, the processing side of this thing that will occasionally produce things that are not accurate sound representations of what you said, but make sense as sentences. So I totally believe the demo was real having used it myself. For the people with conspiracy theories that it was rigged, I don't think it was rigged. When you try it yourself, I think you'll see. Uh, and really, it behaves and looks, as you've all seen, like like Dictation does in iOS, right? It's got the little boop-boop and the little microphone and you talk and then, you know, it's done and then words come out, right? Uh, and then the Facebook integration, that was news because that's kind of like the carryover of the iOS 6 uh, Facebook integration stuff. That, that was new, but like, you know, I mean, Facebook is being integrated into all the same places where they've already shown, oh, so like there's a little share button and I can share through uh, iMessage and I can share through, uh, you know, uh, send an email or a tweet and also share on Facebook. So it's just one more icon in the sharing menus that we all knew about. And I guess it's interesting from a business perspective and it's more, Facebook integration, I think, is more interesting on iOS than it is in Mac OS X, But that, that was news as well. Uh, what else, am I missing anything on Mountain Line that wasn't known beforehand?
1: Or that you can talk about?
0: Yeah, uh, well, that's the thing. Like, there's nothing... Uh, new features things, new
1: features for China.
0: Oh, yes. That, that, that was interesting because in the developer builds, like, this China stuff is all over the place. And normally you don't, like... You're, I assume that when we get the shipping versions of this, you're, if you order it and buy it and launch it in, in English in the U.S., you're not going to see in the internet account screen Oh, you know, sign into your Baidu, whatever. Like, I don't even know the names of these services. I assume they'll be hidden from us because, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong about this. It just seems like it would be weird if, like, next to Gmail, Exchange, uh, you know, and iCloud, there would be all those crazy uh, Chinese uh, characters and everything for their services. Obviously, those things are wildly popular over there, but are they going to be exposed in the UI to us? Could you even sign up for them? But in the, in the, the developer builds, they've all been there. So, I mean, that's not... I don't think that's particularly interesting unless you're a Chinese-speaking American yeah. and can sign up for those services. But I don't even know if you can geographically to like, to like you know, box people out. Yeah. So, uh, what else about the the OS was interesting? Were oh, you overall?
1: And- would do you feel have any anecdotal comments? What was it like in the audience? What did you feel seeing the features? Did it feel like this was a substantial OS? Are you looking forward to it? Uh, do you think it'll improve upon? I think. It,
0: yeah, I think it showed well like in the keynote, because I think it was given a fairly dedicated portion. I think the crowd reaction to it was not boredom. Again, a lot of that is because they didn't, they haven't even been bothering to pay attention to this. So a lot of the stuff was new. So it's like, wow, that's neat. And that's neat. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's delivering on, it delivered on the promise in a keynote of showing something that was interesting uh, as uh, you know, in a sort of ramp up to the the other, the more important announcements, but the crowd was engaged during that point. Uh, and so it succeeded in, in the small scale there. And in the in the large scale, I mean, it, you know, you wait for my review to see what I have to say about the whole thing. But uh, I think the scope is commensurate with the amount of attention everyone pays to it. Like a yearly release with not too many features, but the features they have are cool and it kind of makes things nicer. I think that kind of hits the sweet spot in terms of Apple effort Apple is putting in and the... Anticipation which with with which the community is looking towards a Mac OS ten release. Right. IOS is clearly where all the excitement is. IOS six has way more new and interesting features, it seemed to me, anyway, uh, than than Mountain Lion does. Uh so maybe this'll maybe this will be just right. And the twenty dollar price, like you said, is nice too, where it's kind of ramping it down. It's like, Man, it's it's nice. It's twenty bucks, it's a little release, you yeah, know, why not? Just get it, you know? Not a big deal. It's twenty dollars, no big you know, it's like thirty last year, twenty. The, like I think that will help the adoption curve. And I think actually Apple is experimenting with like, all right, so 129, you know, okay, well, let's try 29. Okay. I think what they want, their biggest goal, and this is relevant with the whole recent brouhaha over ice cream sandwich, only having 7% of the, uh, you know, Android phones running ice cream sandwich, even half a year after it's been out or whatever. Uh, Apple wants, when they release a new S, they want it to be like on all of the machines. Like they want to see, okay, we released it. And six weeks later, 80% of all Macs are running this. Like that's what they want to happen. Because they want to, you know, it's the thing I wrote a while ago about the progress of the platform. They would just want to race forward as fast as they can and bring everybody with them. And, that, and, you know, and they have the ability to do that. So like $30, like someone probably said, I bet we could get adoption, go even faster if you did it for 20. Like it's how low can you go? Do you go all the way down to free eventually? Because they're doing that with all the, the apps in the app store too. You know, oh, you sell a lot of those apps. Well, I bet if you sold it for two bucks, you'd sell even more. Well, actually, I bet if you sold it for 99 cents, you'd sell even more. Like and that's true of the big hit things and if anything's going to be a big hit product it's going to be Apple so even on their own products they just keep cranking down the price it's like what what's final cut pro 10's upgrade pricing going to be maybe just the next version will be half the price of the current one for everybody like they just keep turning the dial down because as long as they turn the price down dial down and the volumes go up to make up for it they just keep tweaking that so that that's fascinating to watch that they they are the victims of their own experiment in software pricing where you know they they're they're eating their own dog food and saying we believe that you can actually make more money by selling more copies for less for for a lower price, and we're going to prove that by taking our four hundred dollar photo editor and, and you know making aperture eighty bucks, and we're gonna you know do the same thing with Final Cut Pro and just our own OS, everything. We're just turning down the price style and hopefully getting up volumes. Now, obviously, they have an advantage as the platform owner, where everyone's gonna know about it. And it's gonna be featured in the store, and you know it's a big deal, and it's subsidized by those hardware things they sell you, where they make hundreds of dollars and uh, you know on each Mac that they sell and so maybe it's not a model that works for everybody, it's, but Apple is definitely going that route. And I actually, I wrote, as I, as I did last year, I, I've already written the purchase and installation section of the Mountain Lion review. And when I wrote it for the Lion review, I was happy to see that I was right on all counts in terms of what the price was going to be, how you're going to be able to get it, so on and so forth, with, with a few minor exceptions. This time, I thought there was going to be 30 bucks again. So now I had to go back into the review and change to 20 and write what I have to say about it, which will probably be a more succinct, coherent version of what I just said. <laughs>
1: It's a lot to think about. It's a lot for you to try and get done. I'm very. I'm now. I'm nervous. I'm nervous that you're going to say that you can't do any more shows until your review is complete. Uh, you should be nervous that I don't get the review done. No. Well, hey, I'll be able. Like, here's the thing
0: with the reason these things take me so long is a because they're like difficult and b because I have other things that I'm doing. Like this is my full time job. But c is that like even if I had all day to do it, you you, you know you burn out. Like if you're head down working.
1: There's oh, only so if, much you can produce like this in one day.
0: But yeah, before it starts going bad, right? right? Before you realize you're just writing crap and you're just too tired to do this and you can't, you're not, you know, you... And so... If, I mean, I could do a hell of a lot more. If I had eight hours, I could, I could probably spend 12 hours or whatever. But at a certain point, like you do need a break. So yeah, I would, the podcast would be a, a break for me. A breath of fresh my, air. Yeah, where I can talk about my frustrations with how slowly things are going. And yeah, you'll see how much I'm pulling my hair out next week. <laughs> you can see how.
1: how <laughs> we'll how we'll be doing. able to tell by the timbre of your voice as to the amount of stress that you're experiencing. Until yeah, and then, finally and then, like, just I, crying during the show.
0: Yeah, and then when I'm on I'm on <laughs> vacation with the in-laws, I'll be doing a show from there as well, and that will be really you know, so how how is it trying to work and be on vacation at your in-laws at the same time? And yeah,
1: we'll see how that goes. All right, let's do our let's bust out a, a sponsor, hover.com. Told you about these guys before and uh, and they're back. Simplified domain management. You want to go register domain. They have all the regular .net. A whole bunch more were announced. Did you see those, John, where all of the uh like dot Apple and
0: yeah, I wanted to keep wanting to look at that list, but every page I went to, it was just a story about them. Like, show me the list.
1: <laughs> there is a, there's a list. I'll see if I can dig it up for the show, uh, for the show notes, but, uh, those are not out yet. So you can't, I'm sure that they'll support those. They support support.co.tv, all the, all the other ones. Uh, but what's great about them is the elegant, simple, straightforward experience. It's a search box. You go there, you type the domain you want, or you type in some keywords And if the domain that you want is available, it says it's available. You click the plus, you're done. it's not available, they'll come up with some suggestions for you. Every domain includes uh, unlimited domain forwarding. They have whois privacy, no charge. They have domain editing, advanced DNS management. You can go, and if you host a bunch of domains with them like I do, you can go in there and update them all at once. Let's say you got a new physical address. You have a new contact email. You can update all of your domains in one step. They have great uh, DNS hosting, like I mentioned. You don't need a third-party host. You can use one. Make it, they make it super easy for you to use one. They handle your transfers. They have a transfer valet thing. They have instructions on how to transfer away from another registrar if you want. Their renewals. That's the only time you hear from these guys. They don't sign up for junk you don't want. They tell you, your domain's going to expire. And that's it. That's the only time you hear from them. And they also do email hosting. So check these guys out. And you can uh, there's special coupon code for you. If you go to hover.com slash dan sent me or just use the code dan sent me, you'll get ten percent off and you can use that code as much as you want. So check these guys out, hover.com. All right, so that's the Mac, I guess, the Mac focused part of the show. Well,
0: the Mac OS ten, I, I Mac just, OS ten yeah. focused. Yeah. The next thing I think I want to talk about is the uh, the new hardware.
1: And now you did I I I know you told me not to say anything. You bought three or four of these new MacBooks. It would have been nice, huh? You didn't want it to be public because you don't want the attention you don't want all the questions coming in, but you you've got a stack of them. No. 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 Are you tempted? Nice. You were tempted though to go away from the Mac Pro and get one of these Mac oh, MacBooks. Oh no, no, I was not tempted.
0: We'll get <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that Mac Pro with the next topic, but it, like so in my memory of the in my now rapidly fading
1: sleep deprived <laughs>
0: memory of what happened on Monday, uh the mac pro <laughs> introduction was the highlight of the keynote i don't was it last or was ios 6 last i can't even remember i think ios 6 might have been last
1: the ios 6 came after it. they they actually announced the new hardware very early on and then moved on to start talking about ios 6 yeah. and other things that's
0: weird that that like in my, in my memory maybe it's because i'm just used to the old school things where like hardware was the big thing that it would show but like that that was the most exciting part of the keynote for me was the macbook pro introduction especially since they did such a a tease with it like where they said oh we're updating our laptops and they show them and it's like oh they look the same and like yeah they updated them but like you know whatever then like what we were looking like you saw the screen resolutions and the spec pages and everyone's like uh you know those are the current resolutions where's our retina whatever (laughs) and then they pull out the you know it wasn't a one more thing they still haven't you know dared to do that but they had the oh little this little graphic under a curtain like oh yeah now this is where it's gonna get good and you know that it was it was an impressive display of sexy hardware, complete with a little video where they show you the cool inside parts of it and everything like that. So that that was the most exciting for me. It, maybe it's because it was the thing I knew the least about. Like I intentionally didn't read all the rumors that were showing like screenshots of the motherboard and all stuff like that for the laptop. Uh, and I, I guess I wasn't surprised by how they did it. People were like they're they're going to rev the whole line of everything and everything's going to be Retina. It's going to be all at once. Like they can't do that. It's going to. I thought they would have picked one of the Airs, but. Uh, And now in retrospect, it makes sense that like when they have new technologies to come out, the 15 is the flagship, like the tie book, the titanium uh, PowerBook G4. That was the 15 inch. And like, you know, I think the first unibody was a 15 inch or maybe they did the whole line at the same time. But like that's their that's their flagship uh, laptop, even though all of us are like 13 inch air, it's where it's at. You know, like we we all know, like that's the one you buy, but their flagship for technology, just as the flagship for technology in the desktop used to be the Mac Pro back in the day. Uh, the 15-inch is still the flagship for the laptop line, so I was very excited by that by that presentation, and I couldn't wait to get a look at one. And that's that's the great thing about being WWDC. I didn't have to wait to get a look at one. Well, first of all, I made a joke before we went into the keynote that like they're going to have hardware out and like little clear plastic cylinders out in the lobby, and they did. They put the laptop in those clear plastic cylinders, you know, that they, like they had the iPhone in yeah. uh, at the intro. They pulled out the cylinders again. Yeah, I thought
1: pulled. I saw a picture of that and I, for a sec, my first thought was, oh, that this is like a photoshopped version of the, of the yeah. iPhone one, but it was it's real, right?
0: Yeah, that when we came out of the keynote, in the lobby were like three or four, or maybe it was just two of those little stands. And the interesting thing about them is they put them at different heights. Like one of them was like right at eye level if you walked up to it and the other one was like lower so you could see it from different angles and yeah, maybe there was three stands like that, but so I got to see that immediately. And then, of course, everyone got demo units. But unlike in the real world, when you know, Jason Snell and John Gruber get their demo uh, hardware in the secret meeting, I was in the same place as them. So I, you know, I could actually see it. You right. know? It, was, it was nice. Uh, yeah, so I, the one I got to, to uh, fondle the most was Jason's. Uh, and a few interesting things to, that I noted about the laptop. Uh, the first thing that occurred to me is looking at this thing. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I'll start from around the back and the side. All right, so we know they have a new MagSafe connector. Right, it's not the same as the existing MagSafe connector. It's not physically compatible. Uh, it's more wide and squat than the current one. Right. and Apple sells this little adapter uh, for I forget like ten bucks or something. I, I was saying that that little adapter that they sell is probably the highest density of like dollars per <laughs> per area uh, because it, like it really is this tiny little dongle that just maps from one magnetic thing to another. Uh, and when I saw that, that, that they had changed the connector, I, I'm squinting at this machine and going, if Johnny Ive didn't work for this company and they were a PC maker and they just made the side of the machine just by that plug straight up and down, like instead of it curving under, like the whole rest of the case does, like if it was just like a little a rectangular jutting out region, kind of like a gable roof or something, but, you know, so it was flat, that I think they could have used the, the regular connector. Like the, 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 there is enough height there. The yeah. reason there's not enough height is because they have the taper And there's no way Johnny Ives is going to let you disturb that beautiful taper that goes all around the machine just to make it so that every single MagSafe adapter in the entire world will work with the new PowerBook, right? So that's like, I don't know if I like respect that or I guess I do respect it, but at the same time, it's kind of frustrating. Like when, when I saw that, I thought of the keyboard, which I've complained about at length for a long time, listening to the show. The keyboard that sits on top of this laptop is the same keyboard that's on the 13-inch Air is the same keyboard that's on the 11-inch Air is the same keyboard that used to be on the now-departed 17-inch MacBook Pro. And it's the same keyboard because they get economies of scale, but it's also the same keyboard because it's rectangular and like, why do I have half-size arrow keys? Because Johnny Ive says if you made full-size arrow keys, then the, the keyboard's outline would be asymmetrical and that's bad, <laughs> right? And so there's so many, so many concessions to, to form over function and even though I love the form so much, at a certain point, you're like, you're really pushing, you, you know, you're pushing it. You, like how, uh, you know, one, maybe the keyboard, maybe the MagSafe connector, but like both on the same machine, like how far are we willing to go to compromise to make something that, that's beautiful to look at? Uh, I, obviously, I like things that are nice to look at, but I think occasionally their design guys go a little bit past where I'm willing to You're saying to go, they,
1: right. they went too far in this case?
0: I don't think it's too far. It's just that... It makes like it's not the reason they do it is because it's not going to hurt them like too far. It's like, oh, they've gone too far. They will experience bad effects because of. they won't. They will not experience bad effects. In fact, they may experience good effects with the new sales of power adapters and stuff. Right. Like so that's the, one of the traps people fall into when they say, oh, Apple shouldn't have done this. They're really going to pay the price. They're not going to pay the price. That's why they do this. Like you can't logically say, you know, if you do this, bad things will happen to you. Apple, they won't. <laughs> you know, it's just like my personal taste, my design sense. As a user of a laptop, I would say, you know, uh, you know, be uncompromising, but like find a way to make it work while also giving me the functionality I need. Like as Johnny Ive always says and all those things like and as Steve Jobs said, it's not it's not just how it looks, it's how it works. And if you really got to have it have both like that's what you want, the beautiful thing that also functions beautifully. Uh, when they have to compromise one or the other, they seem to like slipping it towards, OK, well. We'll shave a little bit off of how cool it is to work with and give them half size arrow keys because then we can keep the big win of having the symmetrical keyboard or, you know, like the power adapter. You know, we don't want it to have we want it to be a nice shape. It would be ugly if it didn't have this curve. So we'll just we'll just make the, the adapter smaller. Right. They start to add up and I start to think. One of those things, you should have gone back to the drawing board and try to figure it out. Like, fig- figure out a way to make it beautiful with full-size arrow keys. Figure out a way to be able to use the current MagSafe without having an ugly case, right? You know, I don't know. I- I'm sure I'm the only one obsessing about these things.
1: Oh, uh, I don't think you are.
0: Well, you know, I, that's, the, that's the one person that, yeah. I all the, all the wonderful Apple celebrities that I get to uh, corner and harass at the at WWC. I still have yet to have any interaction with, like, the senior, senior guys. And I would love to have, like, half an hour with Johnny Ive to talk slash berate him. (laughs) That would be really interesting, but not happening in probably in my lifetime. Although I did see him on the escalators this year. Uh, So, and the other thing, obviously we'll talk about the screen. This is the other thing that I was, I was really interested in and this, and for people who who are listeners to this podcast who are new I didn't do this last year but here what now what I'm going to speak out here is essentially going to be a long rambling version of an exact section that I have yet to write in my review even though this isn't really a, a mountain lion feature I will talk about it so hey a free preview free incoherent preview of my uh mountain line review so apple has this long history of trying to do resolution independence that's what they used to call it where they wanted the drawing on the screen not to be in terms of the individual pixels because they knew someday we were going to be able to make those pixels way, way smaller. And if you just keep drawing things the same way with the same number of pixels, the text would be microscopic. Like The menu bar would be the, the thickness of a human hair, you know. And like So we can't draw the menu bar 16 pixels high. It has to be 16 something else. We're going to call it 16 points high. And then each point will be some, some number of pixels. And for a while, they had a way with the dev tools where you could scale the UI and say, okay. 1x mode means one point equals 1 pixel. 2x mode means 1 point equals 2 pixels, and you know, and 3x mode and 1.5x mode and 2.5 and you know. And they had all these seminars about how you can avoid having pixel cracks when you have a non-integer scale factor, because if you take something that has an you know an even number of pixels and you multiply it by 1.5 and there was supposed to be a line uh, you know in the middle of it, and now it's like you know, things don't line up on boundaries, and it was just a huge headache. And so they had so many false starts and so many WWC sessions saying, get ready for resolution independence is coming. And each year they'd say, okay, that didn't work, but it, this is what you should do this time and get ready because it's coming. Okay. That didn't work. You know, and uh, as we all know, iOS uh, did its thing where it said, well, you know, they learned the lessons from the Mac platform. They said, we're just going to go 2X. There's 1X. And then the next one we come out with the iPhone 4, we're just going to double everything. 2X. There's no adjustables, no 1.5X, no 3X or whatever. And it's really simple for developers. You make one size and you make one double size. And and we have a naming convention for everything. And everything is exactly the same size. We just draw it with twice as many pixels. It's so straightforward. We know there's only one display on these things. Like it's just straight up, right? So that paved the way for the Mac. And the Mac, got, you know, it's like we fig- we finally cracked it. We finally figured out how to, have the, how to have those little tiny pixels. And we got to like, you know, test it on our small screen. Then we did it on the iPad. So now finally we're ready to do the Mac. We know everything. We know we're going to do a double, right? And we know we have the technology to do these screens because we've been working our way up to it from the little phone screen to the iPad screen. Now we can do a laptop screen. It's obvious natural progression of like we, it's all finally coming together. So I thought for sure that when the Retina Macs come out, it would be like, and here it is a Retina Mac. And it's going to have double the resolution of, of some existing screen or, you know, roughly the, the, double the resolution. And we're going to draw everything at 2x and it'll be just like the iphone 4 when you look at it it'll be like that just looks like a 15 inch macbook pro screen like similar size and everything but everything is much crisper right now the the and you say well that's just what they did look at the specs the screen has twice as many uh, pixels across twice as many pixels down as the old 15 inch didn't they just do that but if you pull up the display preference pane on that laptop you don't see a thing that says like first i thought maybe it would be not adjustable at all or if you could do anything, maybe they would let you go into like native mode where the menu bar is microscopic just for kicks or something. But, you know, th- that's all I expect to see. But there are like five settings in the display preferences. Five different, you know, and they're, they're like pictures. It's not like, you know, 1024 by 7. Right, they, they don't even it, tell you, you know? the
1: resolution. They just show you, they show you a picture of what it might look like.
0: Yeah, and it's not, it's like, I hope they change those pictures. Little thumbnails, tiny little yeah. thumbnails. And, and by the way, this is this is in 1074, a special build of 1074 that comes with these machines. So this is not even a Mountain Lion specific feature, though obviously Mountain Lion will support it. They're like, how can you have five resolutions? I thought, didn't we just go through this? It's either 1x or 2x. The screen has exactly twice as many pixels. How do you get five settings out of that? And obviously, it comes in default in like the middle setting, which is like best for Retina right. or some other screen. And when that just means basically uh, everything we were, you know, everything that was one pixel before is now a little square of four pixels. And that's how it ships. And like, that's what we all expected. It looks awesome. And, and you know, as long as you're you're reading things that have been updated to do, to use the new graphics. And of course, all of Apple's apps have been. What are the other settings for? What do they do? Now, one of them is not draw everything where one point equals one pixel. That setting isn't even in the GUI. I'm sure someone will find a way to hack it to get it into that mode. And that would be funny because everything would be really, really tiny. <laughs> be like, yeah, you'd have to like put your nose up to the screen to use it and get big nose grease prints all over it. Yeah, so that's not, that's not even one of the settings. And so, and you know, one of them is like, you know, the Retina native 2X. And I don't think may, maybe the, the very last one is like 1X where, you know, we, they, they go where they, they do another integer multiple. But so here's, here's the thing, having, you know, having gone through all this with, with iOS and everything, I know that applications on the Mac think they're drawing in either 1X or 2X. There's an integer scale factor, and it's either one or it's two. And as far as they're concerned, like they have the code to handle that just like they do on iOS. Like if you're running on an iPhone 3GS, you have to be aware that it's like, a, you know, uh, one point equals one pixel. But if you're running the iPhone 2, you have to be aware that, you know, one point equals two pixels. And you put in your resources with the at 2x and the file name and, you know, everything. Like it's just straight up exactly like from a developer's perspective, it works just like iOS. And yet here Apple ships this hardware in an OS. That has five settings for display things. What's going on here? Well, as many people have discovered, and I put a link in the show notes from uh, Anantech who did a uh, look at it, uh, you, can, you can discover what's really going on when you take a screenshot of one of those weird resolutions. And when you take a screenshot of it, the screenshot comes out way bigger than the screen. And so it, wh- what's going on is that the applications draw at either 1x or 2x, and then the OS just takes that, that larger or a smaller image of you know whatever has been drawn and scales and scales, scales the final result ah. to the screen. like it's kind of, you know, kind of like i mean i to say it's open gl scaling or whatever i'm sure it's gpu based scaling where they render it's it's like lots of games that have an off screen render target that's much larger than the resolution they're going to go into and then they downscale or do the reverse have a smaller render target and then upscale uh, the final result and you may be thinking like isn't that when your parents like Get a MacBook Pro and set it to 100 by 600, and it's like a non-native res, and it looks horrible. And you're like, Mom, Dad, I know you can't see stuff, but just (laughs) I can't stand to see uh, notebooks in non-native res. You know, and and you feel for them because like they just want things to get bigger so they can see them. But it really pains a geek's heart to see things in non-native res. You're like, Oh God, this this Retina MacBook Pro, isn't that what's going on? Right. They're taking an image of the screen that isn't the size of the screen and scaling it to fit the screen. Isn't going to look like a mess? Well the The amazing revelation of this hardware, I think, is it turns out when your pixels are really, really small, you can get away with murder. They, they they scale the damn thing, and I challenge anyone at a glance to tell whether this thing is a native res or not. Like, you know, oh, what if I have something that's one pixel black line, and in in the native two x mode, it should two should be two pixels wide, right? Two you know, two pixels wide, one point line should be two pixels wide. Well, when I go into like. or 2.5 is gonna be like a light gray line and then like a darker black line and then a light gray like it's gonna be all messy and non-native you know because they have to approximate you know it's like if you took an image in photoshop that had crisp clean edges and you scaled it and does the anti-aliases on the edges and it becomes a big mess but when that stuff is really 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 small you can't tell you i mean you know if you get close to it and look at it, you can say oh yeah i see that's not a native res but at a glance it works amazingly well so this this, I think, is the big rabbit that they pulled from the hat as far as I'm concerned, that they, that they have this simplified experience for developers, 1x or 2x, exactly how it works on iOS. But in, on the hardware, they said, yep, nope, you got five choices for res. And it's awesome for, like, for, for you know, people with, with poor vision or parents who want things bigger because now finally they can just pick what size they want things to be. And the OS handles the magic under the covers. like You just render to a 1x or 2x and scale appropriately. Uh, and it looks way better than non-native res on old laptops. So this is very exciting to me. Uh, and, and even though this isn't, isn't technically a mountain line feature, the fact that Apple has gone this route ma- makes... It's kind of fulfilling the dream of resolution independence. They always dreamed of it. Like, you know, I can just make things as big as I want. And as I make them bigger, up to a limit, they'll just keep using more pixels and it will look nice. Uh, but I can also, you know, go the other direction as well. Yeah, very impressive. Very, I'm very excited about that.
1: And as will your parents be excited about it?
0: Oh yeah, that's, that's the other thing about this this notebook. Uh, since we're all using thirteen inch Airs now, like because that's the, the go to machine for people on the go and everything. Even though this thing is thinner, it does feel a little bit like a cafeteria tray <laughs> compared to, <laughs> compared to you know, because you know what it's like if you get used to that thirteen inch Air, <laughs> you go back to the old one and you're like, oh geez, like it's just so it's just so wide. Like there's no getting around it. Even if it was as thin as a sheet of paper, you'd be like, all right, it's as thin as a sheet of paper, but it's so wide, right? It feels. And it looks even wider and more comical, again, because of the tiny keyboard in the center and those two like little wings flanking it with the little holes uh, in, in the case, you're like, it seems wider than it is because the keyboard it looks so so tiny in that big, vast region. Of, you're saying uh,
1: com- compared to compared to like an, an air where this keyboard is the whole thing, this has the little sidebars and it makes it look like it's even fatter.
0: Yeah. And it feels yeah. like you grab it in your hand. And the other thing is like, uh, I was thinking, why isn't, why isn't this a 15 inch air? Like, why isn't this machine? And because that was all the rumors like, oh, it's not going to be wedge shaped like an air instead. It's going to be kind of, you know, just a thinner version of the case. I remember reading those rumors and, and I was more or less close to correct. This does taper a bit, but it's, but it's not like an air where it comes to like a a cheese cutting razor edge at the, you know, at the end of the thing, right? Where it's really wedge shaped. This is thicker. And, and why is it thicker? It's well, hey, I, I know why I think it's thicker. Why? Why do you think it's thicker? And Maybe this occurs to everybody, but I haven't heard anyone talk about it.
1: Well, you know, one of the things that you were concerned about before was that if they were going to taper it, well, they would have to maybe potentially eliminate some of the ports. But it, looking at these pictures of it, it looks like it's it's thin, but not so thin that. It's interfering with the ports, but it's not, you know, they just, they just came out with this dongle. I want to talk to you about this Ethernet dongle too, but it's not that. So I don't think it's the ports. I think it's the battery. I think they, they said during the keynote that so much of it was consumed by the battery. It's got to be that, right? Yeah, that,
0: that's what it is. Why is this not a 15-inch MacBook Air? Because, uh, you know, our MacBook Air Pro, because the whole front is thick because it's filled with battery. And why do you need more battery than you would in a 15 inch? Well, one is because you have the bigger screen and it takes more power, but two is because it's got a big honking discrete GPU in there and a big fast processor. And so this entire machine, it's, it's not wedge shaped because that, that all that place where the wedge, you know, w- would be tapering. They filled it with battery. You need the battery for that thing. And I think that was the right choice. Uh, but it's something, it's something that doesn't like, maybe it occurs to 11 inch air owners. Cause sometimes I forget about this. I've seen them in the conference, people with 11 inch airs whose batteries are winding down and like, Oh Yeah that one actually has worse battery life than 13. And why? Because there's less room for battery, right? Right. Like, that oh, was the big, the big
1: thing I noticed switching from, because I had a 13-inch Air. My wife had a 13-inch uh, MacBook Pro or just a MacBook, I forget. Anyway, she got the 13-inch Air and I got an 11. And that 13-inch Air, the battery life on that, it's just it goes and goes and goes. It's crazy. And the 11, you, you got to pay attention to it. You got to keep that in mind. Yeah,
0: and, and like it's contradictory because we used to think like back in the days of the PowerBook 100, dating myself here, uh, that like the little, the really <laughs> little light notebook, that'll be the one with like good battery life because like it's got, you know, the, the screen is smaller and everything is dinkier. But like really now it's like the smaller you make, the less battery you can fit in it and you really end up sacrificing. So that 15 inch needed to be as thick as it did. Uh, the reason I was rooting for wedge shape was because I was saying then, or at least a taper shape, because then you can make the back of it thicker than would be attractive and make up for it by tapering quickly to the front to like, distract from the fact that the back is so thick because it's got to fit that Ethernet port in it. And as predicted, as, you know, as I feared, no problem, we don't have an Ethernet port. <laughs> yeah, that, as we all knew they wouldn't, and yeah, it's sad for me. But yeah. Yeah, the adapter was nice, though. Like, that's nice. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't even talk about that, and I, I really didn't expect that. I thought they would leave that as a, quote-unquote, third-party opportunity to, to do that. I, nice I can't tell you official. how
1: glad I am, uh, I am and how relieved I am that they did not. Leave it for a third party because I got one of them like instantaneously.
0: Yeah, I saw you saw your screenshots and gigabit Ethernet. Yeah, no more USB USB Ethernet adapters.
1: Well, and I never even used the USB one because I I just wouldn't be happy with it. And a lot of people are saying, "Well, have you tested? Have you tested speeds?" I haven't done a lot of testing other than you know the the anecdotal stuff like plugging it in. Does it seem fast? Yes, it seems like gigabit Ethernet. It's gigabit Ethernet on the Switch when I plug it in. So, like, for me, that's good enough. Now, I I would, you know, the the true geeks would say, oh, well, benchmark it. So I will do that. Uh, But anecdotally, yeah, it's fine. It was, um, I didn't even pay attention to some of the blogs that had come out when uh, there, I guess there was a, a Thunderbolt firmware update or something like that that had come out that apparently was, like, it was bricking machines and i didn't even see that and i just went and installed it and it fortunately it was fine but uh they they also announced and have not yet begun to sell and have not yet released but this is on my list of things to get a thunderbolt 2 firewire 800 adapter
0: yeah and it's, it's a little bit of a shame like we knew this was going to happen when we talked about thunderbolt in that first original episode that yeah. it's it will just slowly start eating all the ports okay. uh firewire no you don't need that you got thunderbolt ethernet you don't need that you got thunderbolt and so it's already eaten up two ports from both sides of this machine uh, because, hey, if you need to get an adapter, but it, it is inelegant and weird to have those adapters, like if you have external hard drives and they're FireWire hard drives, because Thunderbolt hard drives are rare, and I'm still on the fence about Thunderbolt with my, which we'll talk about this on another show when we have more time, but I'll go through the latest round of my woes with the Thunderbolt display, which worked like a champ for a long time, but now is like flaking on me as the warranty is about to run out, <laughs> as, as things always do. <laughs> right, that's And now that's I'm getting normal. wary. Yeah, because because Thunderbolt requires smarts in the device and I think the smarts in Apple's Thunderbolt display at least are cranky or maybe it's my laptop. I don't know, but I'm, I'm wary of it. Uh, so I I hope it does catch on. I hope the quality of these things, uh, starts getting better. Uh, the the one thing I haven't seen answered speaking of Thunderbolt ports on the side of this thing is as far as I know, I actually, I haven't been on the web, so maybe this has already happened, but I've been just head down in the conference, but, uh, I don't know if you can hook up two monitors to the two Thunderbolt ports and have a three monitor MacBook Pro. You
1: know, I was wondering setup. exactly the same thing. I don't, I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know if anybody has tried that yet. It makes sense, though, that you would be able to. I mean, why not? Well, I don't. Yeah, because I, the graphics. Really you're thinking the graphics card inside of there wouldn't wouldn't be enough to support that. Is that what your I, concern? I, is?
0: I'm wondering, like, does a mobile Does a mobile dedicated GPU, can it support? Because I know that like the Mac Pros, you can put two monitors out of one car. That's been very common. But like on a mobile, do they make a mobile thing that can support three monitors? Or maybe like just the the internal model runs on the integrated GPU when you're in that arrangement and the Mm. external too. Like I would like someone to try it. I I think people have had it long enough to, you know, people will send us links. and.
1: One thing people were asking me, yeah, though, I would love to hear that too. One of the things people were asking me about, you know, like the ethernet, connection for example uh they were saying well if you do that if you have that uh, you know then can you use the other thunderbolt port why of course i don't have the other thunderbolt i've got a macbook air but i'm assuming that you can daisy chain or plug in so if you had a thunderbolt hard drive and it had a thunderbolt port on the back just like a old school firewire couldn't you just plug this thunderbolt ethernet adapter into the back of the drive for example if you
0: yeah, those those are. It seems like it should work, right? But then, like maybe it requires some sort of yeah. uh, smarts on the part of the drive to be not just like a terminal. De- I'm making up terms, but like you know, you can imagine like <laughs> oh, the device has to know that it's going to be in the middle of a chain and has to like pass on. I I don't know the details of the spec.
1: Well, don't you need like uh, back in the old SCSI scuzzy days, you, you need, need, a need a Terminator a Terminator yeah. on, the, on the end those of Those were the days, end. man. Yeah. yeah, and the slightest—if you just touched it wrong, just a little right. bit.
0: And you had to have devices in your SCSI <laughs> chain in the right order, because sometimes your machine wouldn't boot if they were in the wrong order. Yeah. And what was the wrong order? You found this experimentally. Yeah,
1: right. Was ex- there was there ex- exciting time. Different for every machine. You yeah.
0: Use. This has to be SCSI ID 2, and it has to be over here, and this has to be SCSI ID 6, not 7, otherwise the machine won't boot. You know, I might have got that wrong. I don't know if there was a SCSI ID 7. Right? <laughs> and tell me. I'm not in the chat room, by the way, if people listening in the chat room. You're free. I, uh, I would like to be in the chat room. They have good feedback, but like... I, it was all I could do to get here and get this thing set up and get the microphone working and get on the air. So I didn't want to spend time trying to fuss with an IRC client. Right. Um, so Mac Pro. Uh, this is kind of good that my show was on Friday because I'll take you through the, you know, my stages of grief. <laughs> As <laughs> well, a Mac
1: Pro. Let's do, let, wait, let's do our, our second and final sponsor first because then we could just go. All uh, right. It's, it's fresh books. These guys are great. Painless Billing. They came up with that. And it's true, and I use them for everything. All the invoicing that I do goes through FreshBooks. It's the fastest way to track time. It's the fastest way to and best way to organize your expenses. And what I use the most out of it is that I use them to invoice your clients. You have you, you do some consulting work. Use you, you know it doesn't really matter what kind of stuff you do, but I, I can imagine accountants would use this, software developers, web designers, developers, you name it. You don't, to, you don't want to have to go and create some kind of Word template, and use that thing, change it, customize it every time. These guys, they make it so easy. You go in, you, up your, uh, you upload your logo, you create a client in there, and then you just type the information in. It'll remember for the next time how you set up your invoice, how you want it. And when you send that invoice, it goes right to them. You can send via email. They can then log in and you see that they've logged in. You see that they've gotten the invoice. You know that they've gotten it. If they have questions, it's very, very easy for them to contact you right through there. And they can pay you through FreshBooks. They can use PayPal. They can use Authorize.net. Whatever it is that you like that you want to hook up to, your back, to, to their back end so that you can accept payments. Or they can just send you a check. And it'll, on the invoice, it'll print out one of those neat little handy-dandy check stubs that they can send along with their check. It's very cool. They have amazing toll-free support. They're very, very helpful. If you ever have a question... And all of this stuff they do on FreshBooks integrates perfectly. So when you're big enough to have an accountant, which you should really consider doing right away anyway, it'll connect with the software that they use. It's really, really great. And uh, you get to try it free for 30 days. You don't even have to give them a credit card. You just type in the company name and an email address. Boom, you're in. So check them out at freshbooks.com. And thanks very much to those guys for their continued support of this program and the other the other shows that we do. All right, Mac Pro my understanding now didn't didn't you have uh dinner with uh jim dalrymple at one point
0: yeah so i'll i'll take you through it so and, All right. it, you know as we said in the show right before uh WWC, we said you know also we both believe jim said you know the, the mac pro is not dead and we made us both feel better and everyone's feeling good about it and we said and you know even if they don't even announce new mac pros at wwc we're still not going to be sad because like you know Jim didn't didn't give any indication that they were gonna be at there. all we wanted to know that the machine wasn't dead. That's all you know, it made us more comfortable to just know it's not dead. So no problem. Like they don't announce a new Mac Pro. People like, oh, aren't you gonna be sad? And we said on the show, like if they don't announce the WC, so what? We don't care. We know the machine's not dead. Someday the updates will be coming, we'll be fine, right? And so I was fine. Coming out of there, I really didn't expect there to be any Mac Pro would have been cool and everything, but like, you know, whatever. Just perfectly fine. And then coming out of the keynote, it's like, oh, did you see, did you see on the site, you know, there's a new badge on the Mac Pro. And I'm like, oh, they did, you know, they did a stealth update, like a quiet one, because the Mac Pro is not a big deal. And,
1: you know, it's, you know I'm like, and you oh, cool. you were thinking so- Thunderbolt, uh, USB yeah. 3, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go so I'm gonna go to the site, check out what these things are. I'm like, oh I'm, it must be cached, you know, because like it takes a while, you know. Just after the keynote, maybe I'm just getting the cached version, I'm reloading and reloading, but I'm like, no, I see the new badge, <laughs> but these specs aren't new. Like the CPU <laughs> speeds are a little bit different and the prices are tweaked, but these are the old Mac Pros, and this and this is a, a nightmare scenario that we hadn't even considered. Like, what if they do update the Mac Pros, but the update sucks? <laughs> <And> <laughs> right, we never like,
1: talked about that.
0: Yeah, and then what if that's what Jim was getting at? He's right, the Mac Pro isn't dead. Look, there's new ones, there's a new badge, but they suck. That's not we wanted no you know. so i you know immediately like that very night we had marco's uh 30th birthday dinner and uh and dalrymple was there and you know many of us as each of us came to the table you know i accosted him first and then marco arrived and he accosted him and then uh, gruber arrived and he accosted him and say is this what you were talking about is this what you're saying with me? you know so he's he's very cagey and doesn't want to you know reveal anything whatever but suffice it to say that by the end of the evening i was satisfied that uh that there will be new Mac pros someday that don't suck. But, you know, no, no smoking gun, no nothing in his typical way of, he's just, you know, he, in fact, I don't think he even said a word. I think he just looked at me with his eyes and, you know, I, and I felt better about the future of the Mac pro. And, and of course, you know, the, the, the follow on to this is Tim Cook himself answering emails, Steve Jobs style to some random employee, uh, random employee, random customer who was cranky about the Mac pro. And, uh, you know, this is quoting from the email. Although we didn't have a chance to talk about a new Mac Pro at today's event, don't worry as we're working on something really great for later next year. Now, that doesn't say there's going to be a new Mac Pro. If you read it, you're like, we didn't talk about the Mac Pro in today's event. That's true. Don't worry. We're working on something great next year. Maybe they are. Is the something great a better Mac Pro? (laughs) You know, and so I think uh, various people have like tried to clarify through Apple PR. Was he talking about the Mac Pro or whatever, you know? So this is another weird instance where I think the, the consensus is that, yes, he was talking about the Mac pro uh, and next year is, is disappointing. Like it's not even the fall yet, right? We're in, we're in the summer and we've got to wait till next year. But so the combination of Tim cook himself saying, wait till next year, we have something cool. Even if it's not like a Mac pro as we know it, obviously he thinks that it's something that, that answers the desire of, Ma- of current Mac Pro users, and so I'll just wait and see. And with Jim's non-confirmation, confirmation that the Mac Pro continues to not be dead, <laughs> I don't know how else you want to put it. Like yeah. seriously, I believe he didn't actually speak any words to me, and just spoke with me, spoke to me with his eyes and his body language. <laughs> I, th- I think he talked more to to, to Marco and Gruber. But things are so noisy, you can't hear anything. But anyway, you can talk to him on, on when you do a show with him so see if you can get any more out of them than I did. But Uh, I feel much better. So now by the end of the week, I've come full circle and I'm like, all right, just relax. These these updates do suck. No one should actually buy the most. I I like the fact that uh, the Mac rumor site, like the little buying guide of like, should you buy this machine now or is it about to be updated? It auto changed to like buy now. Machines have just been refreshed and it was manually set back to nope, don't buy these. (laughs) You know, they're two year old models. They stink. Don't buy them. Uh, And that's the great thing about being WWC. I talked to Arnold Kim about that the day it, the day it happened if
1: arnold you, arnold uh, kim famously of uh, macrumors.com that's
0: right like we're all of us in the same place it's like there's the internet and then like the entire internet is is you know with you <laughs> at this place and you just bump into them and say hey yeah uh, so that was uh so i feel better about the mac pro i'm sad that i have to wait a longer time but honestly speaking i don't have the money i i have to save my pennies to get a new mac pro anyway so it looks like and I'll be rocking the 2008 Mac Pro until 2013. Although, <laughs> did you talk about this on Marco's show? He ordered one, one of the new crappy ones. I think he did it. At, he hadn't bought it yet when you're done. you recording it. So next show, make sure you, you get an explanation. I mean, he's explained it to me in person of what his thinking is, but it'll be, you know, it's like you bought one of those. We all know they stink. Why would you buy one? So I'm sure that will make for a good uh, segment on his show to get an explanation. of
1: why. When, that did, he, when did he actually buy it? I don't know. Maybe it was Wednesday or Thursday. I
0: don't know. Something like that. The, the days are blending together. But yeah. Make make a note. Make a note for the next build and analyze. Okay. Uh, two more things I want to get if we can fit them in the next seven minutes. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, I wanted to give my uh, report on my equipment for WWDC because I came in like I learned lessons of last year and I figured you know, so here's how I want to uh, you know. Right. What did you, you take with, with you? What did you and travel have, with? Yeah. yeah. And how did it work? And so Uh, first is like, this is not an ideal scenario. Ideally for, for laptop purposes, I would have liked to have an air, uh, but I don't have an air. My wife has an air. She wouldn't let me take hers. So I took her old, uh, uh, MacBook pro, which is perfectly fine machine. It's like four gigs of Ram. You know, it's, it's not fancy or modern, but it gets a job. Now, why do I need, why do I need a Mac laptop at all? Well, I need a Mac laptop because I want to install the new build of mountain Lion that I was sure would come out at WWC. Sure enough, after the keynote, you could download a new build of mountain Lion, And how do you download it? The best way is to do it through Ethernet connection, ironically, at the millions of tables they have set up. So on on keynote day, as I'm sitting there at 5.30 a.m. in the morning on the keynote line, I got my big laptop bag with my big honkin' 15-inch MacBook Pro. Also, you know, as soon as I get a free chance during the day, I can go into the big room, set it down, connect it up to the gigabit Ethernet, and download the new mountain line, build it like 37 megabytes per second yes not megabits megabytes but they must have had the files locally on premises somewhere it's the crazy you know and by the way the, the the wi-fi was crappy this year at wwc i've only been here for two years i'm like the wi-fi is worse it's getting worse oh every it's actually year. worse
1: than last year yeah i don't because I don't when
0: why. i was, was just...
1: when i was there a number of years ago it was so bad that it was it was just a joke people weren't even trying it was, it was ridiculous
0: Last year it was it was surprisingly good. Last year I was like, this is the one conference where they have Wi-Fi that has a chance of working, uh, and and it worked pretty darn well. But this year I find myself turning off Wi-Fi and turning on uh, LTE on on the other device that I brought with me, which is iPad 3. I, I knew I was going to get a new iPad, and I was like holding off. And I'm like, right, I'm about to go to WBC, I need it. So I got a Verizon 32 gig black LTE uh, iPad 3, and. Uh, that's what I was using in like, in, in the depths of Moscone West. Here I am using Verizon's data connection. And I got to say, the LTE, it was like five bars. It was super fast. I'm yeah. a very satisfied customer of uh, Verizon LTE in San Francisco. If you're in Moscone West, it was better say the-
1: Verizon's better all around. I've had the same experience with, with essentially the same device. And, and like, I'm sitting, like, the thing is,
0: I'd be sitting in a chair and I'd look. Underneath the chair to my right, and see one of the many Wi Fi base stations. And yet, I'm using Verizon LTE to do because every time I switch on Wi Fi, like it kind of works, but then things from the internet won't load. I don't know if the, it was just. Obviously, this is the worst, worst, worst case scenario because every single person in that, you know, there's thousands of people in Moscow and every single person has seven devices spring radio. <laughs> sign- them. So it is, an, a, you know, wi- but the thing is, like, Wi-Fi is just not designed for that. Wi-Fi is not designed to have literally 5,000 people in a room, each of which have two devices at least spring. Like, it's just not designed for that. And it falls down. It's like, you're like, why can't they get the Wi-Fi to work? Like, the Wi-Fi standard was never, it was never how it was envisioned. Whereas... LTE, those standards are designed for I'm going to blanket a city of, of 7 million people like that. They're designed for that. And so it's no surprise, I guess, that the LTE works better. Um, so the laptop is this big, heavy thing. I only brought it on the first day only to get the, the new version of the OS and, and install it on there. And, everything. and then it went back to my hotel room and stay there for the rest of the trip because you do not want to be walking around all day with that thing on your shoulder because it'll just kill you. So what did I have instead? I got my I got my iPad three. Last year, I just used my wife's iPad, two and I typed everything on the onscreen keyboard. And I found that like barely tolerable. Like I got the job done, but it wasn't a pleasing experience. And there were a lot of mistakes. So this year I got a Bluetooth, you know, Apple's Bluetooth uh, keyboard. And I said, okay, I've got an iPad 3. I've got a Bluetooth keyboard. I'm sure I'll just buy one of the 8,000 cases that connect those two of them into a little fake laptop type shape case. And I went shopping for those after I had bought the first two items and realized there aren't a lot of those. There's a couple of cool Kickstarter projects and there's plenty of keyboards that snap onto it, but those keyboards tend to be the width of the iPad in, in landscape mode. And that's not a full size keyboard. I'm like, no, the whole point is I want a full size keyboard. I want the Apple, you know. And so I, it was so difficult for me to find something connected to the them. So after extensive Twitter based research where many people sent suggestions and I looked at them, I rejected everything I saw uh, because they either it looked too expensive or looked too weird. Or, uh, you know, the Kickstarter one was the best. I forget what, what it was, but it wasn't available. Obviously, it's not going to be ready for me to go to WWC the next week. This is partially my fault for delaying. I, you know, I waited too long to get my act together on this thing. So what I, I decided to bring with me instead was uh, one of the things that people suggested called the Wingstand, which I had never heard of before I started doing this research. It was a Kickstarter project and now is an actual site. It's wingstand.com, W-I-N-G stand.com. And it was cheap, which appeals to my sense of cheapness. <laughs> <And> <laughs> it's, all it is, is two... Did you pull up the page from the show notes? Yes. It's just two little pieces of plastic, like little brackets. And, you know, the, the Apple Bluetooth keyboard has like a... Uh, A cylinder on its back edge so these little clips clip onto the cylinder part and they have like little legs that extend backward and then little legs that extend up to support your laptop and then these little tiny flanges that go in the front Uh, i'm I'm doing a bad job describing this just go to wingstand.com and you'll take a look at it uh but it basically like it's kind of like two of those little picture frame things and i said well what have i got to lose it looks i have to say
1: it looks cool but it also looks a little precarious
0: yeah, that was my thing. I was like, well, if I'm at 15 bucks, who cares? And I had to pick something. Uh, the worst case, I can just have both things laying flat on my lap or whatever. And I was like, well, how is that even going to work? I guess I'll have to have one of these little stands on one thigh and the other one resting on the other thigh. And I didn't know, like, would the lap, would the iPad be tumbling out of this constantly? In practice, it works surprisingly well. I mean, it does have the problems that I suspected where, like, if you look at the little feet uh, that have you have to rest on your legs. That means both of your legs have to be out front and straight of you, uh, straight out in front of you at a certain width because each one of those stands has to be on one of the legs. And those little pointy claws dig into the top of your thighs. But the iPad itself is not heavy, so it doesn't apply a lot of pressure. And, and you, know, you can sort of readjust yourself and move it around by pinching it. Well, the iPad never fell out of it, never tumbled to my feet, and never had any problem like that. Occasionally, it started to tip over as those little feet started to slide off my thighs, but I always caught it in time. Uh, Is obviously not ideal for this scenario uh, the, the one thing I have to say if the wing stand people are listening uh, I, I think it 's still worth the fifteen bucks that I, I paid for it, and it, it got the job done. But when you snap those little plastic things onto the little cylinder, it leaves the friction causes plastic at least on the black ones, you get them in black and white. The friction causes little bits of black plastic or black paint or something to rub off onto the aluminum. And you can scrape it off with your finger and rub it off with your finger, but as you know, a crazy anal retentive person like me, that is
1: bad. Yeah, that it shouldn't do it in the first place. It should,
0: yeah. Basically, if you snap those things on and off five or six times, then stop and look at your keyboard, you got black marks all over. No good. And maybe the white one doesn't have this problem. I can't speak to the white one, but if I had to suggest two changes, one would be don't leave scuff marks on my <laughs> Apple stuff because it drives <laughs> insane. And the second would be, even though it looks cool to have the little foot hitting down at a particular point i mean this actually they shouldn't really change this because really you shouldn't be using this on your lap but uh if if the back leg was flat it would distribute the load better and it wouldn't look as graceful and probably wouldn't be as stable on an actual table where this is meant to be used so really i guess the only the only real legitimate feedback i have is don't leave scuff marks but if you're going to use it to balance on your lap at wwdc you know maybe that's maybe that's a product someone else could come with because that's all i really want is something to connect Connect my keyboard to my iPad in a little laptop type shape that's sturdy uh, and, it fit, and it works on my lap. And this really isn't the right tool for that job. This is much better for being on a counter or tabletop or whatever, in which case it's, you know, well worth the money, especially if you're going to snap it on and leave it there so you won't have scuff marks. But yeah, so that worked pretty well. And the final thing was I needed some place to put, put my iPad because I didn't want it to be rattling around in my backpack. Right. And the same thing with the keyboard. So I did way too much research into cases and um, then A million people make different cases, and I, I ended up getting a case that I didn't think it was going to be that satisfied with. It's a, uh, what is it, Waterfield Designs, yeah. slip case for the iPad, I'll link in the show notes. Just it's, slip it in is their slogan. It's just a tube of like nylon-y type material, and you slide the iPad in the top, and it, like, I really wanted one that fastened with some kind of latch at the top. A lot of them had Velcro, and the last thing you want at WWC is Velcro because, you know, the session is about to begin. Please, no recording devices. You <laughs> know you don't, don't want to be that guy doing taking out your iPad, so but I did want some kind of latch, and I don't know why I wanted a latch. It's not like I'm going upside down and the thing is falling out, and you can see in the video, even if you turn the thing upside down, the thing doesn't come out uh, but i was I was excited by the fact that when you buy it, you have to say, "Okay, what kind of slipcase would you like?" And the choices are iPad. Two slash three slip case, iPad two slash three with smart cover slip case or original iPad slip case. Like they have different products. Whether you're going to put put it in there with with the smart cover on or not, which sounds crazy. You're like, oh well, doesn't the same case fit it with with or without a thing? But the whole premise of this case is that it's exactly sized to provide. You know, it's not too tight to get in there, and but once it's in there, like it won't come out if you turn it upside down. And so I bought the one for an iPad with with a smart cover. And when I first got it, I'm like, oh, this is too tight, you know, but it loosens up a little bit. And sure enough, it's in that sweet spot now where it's easy to get in, easy to get out. But if I turn it upside down, the thing doesn't come out.
1: Uh, that's oh, listen, little... that, not to interrupt you. Joel Hausman says, I saw an article this week with pictures. The guy had a new Retina MacBook, uh, uh, Retina MacBook Pro hooked up to two mini DP LCDs and an HDML TV. Look at you in the chat room. No, that's up the not link. the chat room. That's Twitter. All right. Oh, there you go. There you have it. Breaking, break.
0: I, 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 Like I said, I, I apologize. I've been totally out of the loop. Like when I'm at WWDC, just wake up in the morning, go to sessions, go to sessions, dinner, and then party slash sleep. And I have, not, I have not been reading the interwebs. The only interwebs I see are like the seven social networking things that are being used by people at WWDC to communicate where they're going to be eating or drinking after or what session they're in during the day. Yeah, so I'm kind of out of it. So anyway, this, this slip case... I have no real complaints about it except other than it not having a latch on the top, uh, and it has like impact plastics. What color it. did you get? I got, I don't know, I, I'm sitting right here. It's I guess it's like bluish. I forget what they call it. They all have funny names for the thing. Um, so that was thirty bucks. Uh, so the combination of that set of hardware, like and I got I got a little slip cover, you know, thing for my the keyboard too. The, I guess the problem with the keyboard thing is when I put them both in my backpack. The, the, the iPad doesn't know that you're not using the keyboard anymore. It just knows the keys are being pressed. And so like as they're bumping into the <laughs> backpack, like the brightness key would be slowly, you know, go down, down, and you take your iPad out and the brightness is all the way down. Why? Because something was leaning on the brightness key in your, in your, when it was in your backpack, right? Or if you just take out the iPad and you try to use it and you realize why is it the keyboard coming up? Oh, it's still paired with the, <laughs> with the Bluetooth keyboard on my backpack. So I kept having to turn Bluetooth on and off. Uh, I, and I got to use the tethering feature too. Can't uh, you
1: turn the keyboard off though? Yeah, that's the thing
0: with the keyboard. It's got that little button that like, you can't tell whether it's on or it's yeah. off. Just they press it, and that can accidentally get pressed when you're taking the thing in and out. It's, it's not yeah. ideal. If Apple had real on-off buttons, it would actually make it easier. Like a, you know, I can tell that it's off, and right. bumping into it wouldn't turn it on. Uh, but, but mostly, uh, I, did, I, I did a better job of taking notes. I took more copious notes than I did last time more efficiently, although the B key on my Bluetooth keyboard is not working right, so that's going to be going back to the Genius Bar. I'm going to be spending a lot of time at the Genius Bar lately. But uh, overall, successful WWC. I have a lot of work ahead of me. I'm I'm dreading it. I really hope I can get it done. I guess I'm kind of glad that there weren't any major announcements, so I don't need to add anything else. But now I have now I have fewer excuses when I fail. So, wish me luck, to everybody.
1: Yeah, good luck. I, I think you're being pessimistic. I have, I have full confidence in you. Yeah. Oh, speaking of pessimism, do we have se- uh, five seconds for one more thing? Or of course. You- All
0: right. So I'm the- already I'm already screwed. So it doesn't matter now. Keep well, I, going. All right. Uh, this, is the, this will be the last thing, though. All right. I, uh, so the reason I was late getting here is that they have these lunchtime sessions at WWDC where they have uh, speakers who aren't Apple employees talk about things that aren't about developing for the Mac. Uh, and this year, they had LeVar Burton come on one day. I couldn't be at that one. I missed that one. But uh, today is the ending lunchtime session with J.J. Abrams. Of
1: oh, how cool is that?
0: Movie and television fame. And I lined up really early uh, to get in for that. And uh, he went up on stage and talked for a long time. He is is super cool and he had a really fun presentation. It's a shame they don't put these on tape. Like this is not going to be part of the WC videos, I think. Uh, I don't know why that's the case. Maybe it's contractual or whatever. But what was uh, his topic? He did kind of what the famous people do. It's just like, let me just tell you my life story in compressed form with funny anecdotes. And it was kind of like, you know, here's what I came from. Here's my childhood. Here's how I came to, you know, do these various projects. Here's funny stories from them. And that's enough, really, you know, because we don't, you know, unless you already knew this about J.J. Abrams, that's really what he did, is took you through the path of his career, stopping off with little funny stories and insights in each time about the art of filmmaking and telling stories and all sorts of stuff like that. It wasn't, you know, if you want to see his TED talk about the magic box, that's a good one too. I think it's- Yeah, a that's TED. a good one. Yeah, that is much more like a traditional talk. This is more just kind of like, let me just go up there, and be, but he's just so funny and engaging. But the, the one thing that's relevant to the show and to me, because, you know, it's all about me, is that, that he talked about on the thing, is I noticed when he was up there, every time he showed one of his projects was like Fringe or Alias or Felicity or any of these things, he put it up on the stage and show a scene from it or the Star Trek movie or whatever. Anytime he introduced a piece of work or talked about a piece of work, the very next thing out of his mouth was something that he found disappointing about. Like he was, he was his own worst critic. And it's, I recognize that instinct in him is that anytime, like he can't just say, and here's this project he worked on. And the next thing out of his mouth is, you know, And, you know, people said that I shouldn't have done whatever, but I did and they're probably right. And it was a mistake. Like he undercut himself, and you know, he was self-critical. That was his first instinct. And like, I don't think that's like scripted. He just, he just felt like if you're interested, you know, I know I use Lensler a lot and yeah, I had to add these monster stuff. And that was probably a bad idea, but I can't help myself. Like just totally, you know, in, in the show's ballpark, hypercritical. You know, I, I could, I could relate to that notion where it's almost impossible for you to present your works to someone else without like, like actually verbally acknowledging criticism of it and acknowledging the valid criticism of it and say how yes you also believe that you have fallen short of what you could possibly do like like you know because it's not an interactive experience he's just talking to us he could just present it and here is my wonderful work and we'd all applaud because we all love him we all did applaud and we all do love this stuff but it was just funny to see you know i guess a kindred spirit up there within in in self-criticism always and you know and personality wise i think we Probably have similar neuroses seeing him up on stage with all his mannerisms and his tales of his childhood. So uh, that was the most exciting part for me to see another kindred spirit and not being like, I'm a Hollywood mogul and I do everything and it's wonderful. And isn't this great? <laughs> you would applaud for me. Now he's, just, you know, just neurotic and nervous and self-critical like the rest of us. And I guess the final note is for, for all the people who... Uh, said hi to me at WWDC this year. I think I felt like it was more than even last year who recognized me and said they were a fan of the show and and fan of the articles and stuff like that. Many people came up to me uh, and uh, were awkward and didn't know what to say. Many (laughs) times people came up to me and I was awkward and didn't know what to say. And I felt like we were awkward together and it's okay. And so I appreciate everybody who said (laughs) hi, whether you were awkward or I was awkward. If I was awkward or rude, forgive me. I don't know how to do this and neither do you. And we're just, we're just in this together. But I think, I think it all came out well in the end. And I really appreciate like this is the one place I can go in the entire world where I am where I am seven levels of air quotes famous. Right. Uh, so I just wish someone at the genius bar would recognize me so I could get faster service. But <laughs> <laughs> no, but WWC is the one place in the world. So yeah, it was very gratifying to see people who are fans, fans of the show, fans of the network. And anytime I hang out with like Marco or John or whatever, the same thing with them, all the fans coming up and they just want to say hi and that they appreciate their work and they're, so respectful and nice and it's just nice to see all the enthusiasm so thanks to everyone who said hi at WWDC
1: no better way to end it have a great week John have a good trip back thanks Dan I'll try